This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. What you need to know is brought to you by Morongo Casino Resort and Spa. Good times, less than 90 minutes from wherever you are. Loud up, what do you got before Dave McMiniman joins us? All right, so Earth Day is upon us. It's April 22nd, and the Metrolink is trying to help Southern California folks ride the Metrolink for free. So on Earth Day, April 22nd, like I said, so put that into memory, you will be able to to, uh, take on the Metrolink and ride for free on any of the six stations. Sweet. April 22nd, you said? Mm Mm-hmm. Just checking my calendar here. Now, you know, yeah, you it's can also Earth up, Month, by the way, too. You month. can come up to the station, Cap, for free. Just take yeah. Metrolink up. That's the seventh day of Passover. You know, I won't be eating any bread. I'll be eating matzah at that point. Yeah. Probably be an angry guy. I mean, this is why I do intermittent fasting. So if I ever have to do something like that, like it wouldn't be as big a deal. No, it's just it's just like matzah. Why you don't you train matzah? a little intermittent fasting these next couple of days to get you ready for it? I mean, it's not a terrible idea. It's just the whole matzah problem. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I know. I mean, I, I, it, it's, I, I don't. Actually, no, I don't know. But I mean, I know what you're saying about the length of time you have to go. Thing is, is like you, you don't look forward to eating matzah during Passover, and then all of a sudden you start making things. What with does it matzah. taste like? I've never had it. It's kind of like, just like a cracker, and then by the like you, I, you don't want to eat it because as a kid you were kind of forced to do it, but then once you start eating matzah, you're like, damn, matzah is good. Why don't I eat it all the damn time? Right. Love matzah. So then why don't you eat it all the damn time? I think because you probably can't get it all the damn time. Oh, okay. Well, I wouldn't know that either. Yeah. All right. That is what you need to know. Brought to you by Morongo Casino Resort and Spa. Good times. Less than 90 minutes from wherever you are. Uh, So, yeah, let us know when Dave's around. But in the interim, as we do a more Lakers postmortem with him. Did anyone – by the way, how did the uh, Sliwa-John Ireland thing go? Oh, my God. I heard it. It sounded great. Oh, my God. Friday – was one of the funniest freaking days on this radio station. Everybody was in on it. It was just, and it just kept going on and on. It went all the way through Mason and Ireland. It went all the way through us. Clinton Yates filled in for you, George. He did such a great job as the 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 honorable Clinton Yates. He I rocked, heard it. He he rocked the seven ten robe, you know, from Frosty the Robe Man, which was hilarious. I mean, it was just, it was awesome, dude. Okay, awesome. Uh. Speaking of awesome, the awesome Dave McMiniman uh, needs to push back. He's doing some stuff uh, for work, so he will talk to us at 6.30. So here's what we'll do. Linz, how about we just do big deal or no deal to end the show? Is that cool with you? I'm with me. Okay, great. Um, so, yeah, I, I heard that, and then I was actually listening to the show on my drive to dinner in Boston, uh, and that's when you popped up the feet on the timeline. Yeah, yeah. Look, George, you know, I just I needed a little bit of, like, community support. You know, and that's what I believe the Sedano and Cap community is now for on Twitter. And there were several people that were like, I don't want to see your feet. And yet there were a few people that were like, come on, Cap, let's see what you got. And then I sent out my feet picture and I got comments like like this. Yo, man, how could you have athlete's foot if you ain't an athlete? You know, I mean, things like that. You know, (laughs) that's what that's what came from it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Laura and Lindsay, I feel like uh, you guys were not really all that interested in, uh, you know. Oh, no. no but I blame Yates. I blame yeah. Yates for this because we had said no fee pictures. And then he's like, once the show's over, go ahead. Right. The Honorable Clinton like, Yates said you can post the pictures after the show's over. So that's what I did. That's pretty much what I did. Cap, I, will, I was going to say, I will say that uh, one time I was doing an interview, uh, like a sit-down interview with Kevin Durant, who has 10 million times worse feet than you. Although he has an excuse, he's a professional athlete, but he's got the nastiest toes and feet. And I guess it's like no oh. secret. Everybody knows it. Shaq but, has oh, the worst. Bad? Way oh. worse. Shaq's yes. got the worst toes? Way worse. Go do yourself a favor right now yeah. and Google yeah. Shaq's feet. <laughs> Just do yourself a favor. I'm going to tell you guys right now. For all the heat that I took about how gross my feet are, if you're going to start telling me that other people have grosser feet than me, I'm not going to be happy no. about this. Shaquille yeah. O'Neal has talked about this on <laughs> on and oh. the NBA and TNT. It's way oh. worse than yours. Oh, my. 
Yeah. <laughs> Think about it. They're always getting their feet stepped on and stuff, playing basketball, oh. and like their toenails coming off. It's like a thing, I guess. Oh my god! Basketball players. Shaq's feet are, are gross. Yeah. Yeah. Right yeah. Oh Way my worse. god. Way worse. Oh, they're horrible. Yeah, they 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 beat my because even his toenails are worse than mine because you know I only have four toenails, you know because my my fifth one on my little baby toe my little pinky toe I don't have toenails on either so I've got a total of eight, yeah, you know. But you see the thing is George is when you get stung by a bee or in this case bitten by a wild animal oh, on the bottom of a foot you know what you don't want to be here's what you don't want to be the guy who goes hey did you hear about Kaplan no what happened oh dude they had to amputate his toe why what happened he stepped on a bee what from a bee sting. You don't want to be that guy, you know, where where you lose a toe to a bee sting. What? So that's why I went and got the meds. You were never in jeopardy of losing yes. a toe. Like, I let's be like, serious here. This I mean, is really oh, why you guys, are you exaggerating? No, Cap. you're you guys. you're exaggerating. Look, Cap, you exaggerate yeah. way too much. You're too extra. But we love you. This is no. why we love you. Also, no. you guys didn't. You guys didn't let me send you the picture of what really no, no, happened. No, we we don't. Need then you know I was in danger. Mm-mm. There were a few hours, Laura, where it looked like I may lose the toe. Really? Yep. I, I don't know if I believe you, but you okay. know, one thing you said is that you needed support from your community, so that's yeah. why you posted the picture. Yeah. yeah. And then you called out Sedona for not being, you know, supportive and emotionally there for you. Sedano texted us that he had something happen to him, mm-hmm. and instead of you saying, yo, man, you good? You're like, can I see oh, a picture? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's tell that yeah. story real quick. Oh, it was wait, crazy. We'll get back to the Lakers here in a second. So I, I'm flying back from Boston, right? So I did. I, I was there to do uh, a football assignment, uh, the Boston College spring game, right, on ACC Network. I'll do the uh, Miami spring game on ACC Network uh, in this coming weekend. But uh, so I'm, I'm, coming, I'm coming back from Boston, right? So my flight is at 5 o'clock. And my, uh, my spotter, who's the guy who helps me on the broadcast, his flight was also around 5, you know, 525 or something like that. So we go to lunch after the game in, in downtown Boston, and then we're like, all right, the airport's like 20 minutes away or whatever. So we both get delayed a little bit, right? Just like a few minutes, like 45 minutes. I'm like, all right, no big deal. So we take a little longer. We have a little more to eat, and then we eventually leave. So I get to Boston, and the time where the delay was supposed to happen, uh, it says that uh, – you know, it, it just still says it's on time, 545 or whatever. So as time goes by, they delay us to 630. And then at 630, they delay us to 7. And then at 7, the captain of the plane comes out. Because this plane had uh, had arrived from the Caribbean. It was an international flight, so it came to a different terminal. And then they towed it over. They told us, hey, they're towing over the plane. It should be here shortly. We're going to clean it up, and then we're going to get you on board. Okay, no problem. The captain then comes out and says, hey, so, yes, we know we told you this, but the reality is this plane was struck by lightning uh, and we're inspecting it. We're like, okay, no problem. So 15, 20 minutes later, he then comes out and tells us, so the plane was struck by lightning. We've been expecting it, but we inspected it, and it's got a hole in it from the lightning strike. And everyone's like, what? And they're like, oh, man, this can't, flight's going to get canceled. And they're like, he says, look, we're efforting to find another plane to be able to get everyone home to L.A., so everyone's like, ah, nobody had any faith that that was going to happen. So I text that, and Cap's first response is, picks, question mark? Like, and my response was, mother bleeper, I'm not on the tarmac, like, you know, looking at the plane myself. I'm way up here in the terminal at the gate. Like, what, do you, what did you expect me to do? Like, jump on the tarmac and get arrested to take a picture for you? <laughs> not exactly, but let me tell you a couple things that you may not know. Number one, I happen to have been laying down at that moment, kind of dozing off a little bit with my left foot extended up above my heart (laughs) so that I could try and reduce the swelling. That's number one. Right, from your bee sting. Right. (laughs) Bitten by a wild animal. That's number one. I was dozing off a little bit, okay? And then you start texting, and then everybody's in this group, and the phone is going bing, 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 and I usually don't have the sound on on the phone, but, of course, I had to have the sound on because what if – Rachel needed me. You know what I'm saying? Right. Of course. So, so, so now, so I'm reading this and I, I read it as like, here's the picture in my mind is you're standing in the terminal. You can see the plane. The plane has landed safely and you from where you're standing can actually see that there is a hole in the plane. So this is what I'm seeing in my mind as I'm reading your text. And naturally the first question that anybody would ask is, Yo, you got pictures of this hole in the plane? I thought it was a legitimate question. 
You didn't think so. Because you right away went to Mother Bleeper. You you jumped yes. right to Mother Bleeper. I know, and I said it. I didn't say Bleeper there. No, you All you, you actually... said was picks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, picks. Like, like picks got... or it didn't happen. No, 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 no. It wasn't picks or it didn't happen. It was just like, I mean, it wow, was very really? much. Fi- it did definitely come across as picks or it didn't happen. Oh, really? I thought it was more like, wow, the plane got struck by lightning. I've heard of that. But, wow, there's a hole in the plane. Like, I see this plane, and, like, in the middle section of the plane, I see it, like, like broken hole black smoke like like this is right. the picture okay but and let, I'm me, thinking... let me let me let me re, let me read everyone else's reaction all right okay all right when i wrote what i wrote well could you back plane. up and just can you first read like your description <laughs> so that you understand that like it was a very natural question i think okay we were first we were talking you you may have been dozing off but we were all texting about your beast thing at that yeah. point mm-hmm. okay? thank you thank while you. i'm sitting there at the gate okay mm-hmm and then I wrote, I'm still in Boston. My plane was struck by lightning on its way here from the Caribbean. They had to get us, they have to get us a new plane. Insane. And I wrote a little, I had a little uh, lightning emoji or whatever. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Very creative. Um, To which Lindsay writes, what? Question mark, exclamation mark, question mark. And I said, the thing has a hole in it. And Lindsay writes, that's crazy. And you're the next response, picks, question mark. (laughs) And I'm like, so like Lindsay's reaction is, wow, that is insane. You know what I mean? Of course it's insane. No, Um, no, not really. Planes get struck by lightning How many planes have you been around that had a hole in it? You ready? You want you want the oh, real were number? Even, or they're oh, we're struck by lightning you, for that. You matter. want you want the real number? Sure. Millions. I mean <laughs> millions. Would you go and Google it or something? Millions. You want to prove a point. No, I do, but I do. I do think reason. maybe there's a pilot out there. I do think that lightning strikes on planes. It does happen. I think it's a frequent thing. Right. I think. I mean, I don't know about how frequent it is, but well, it didn't sound like Lindsay was exactly like George. Are you okay? Oh my God! No, but it well, wasn't I mean, about me being okay because I wasn't on the plane that got struck by lightning. Yeah, he and I specifically cited us. that. Yeah, like it was just like shocking. Like, whoa, that's crazy. I'm like picturing in my head like a plane with a hole in it. That's nuts. Imagine yes. being on that plane. Right. Right. Me imagine too. my right. Imagine the people who were coming from that Caribbean island that got struck by lightning and a hole in the plane. But the so plane anyway. landed and everybody was safe. So exactly what you just said, Lindsay. There was George painted a picture for me. I assumed he's standing there in the in the uh, terminal, and I figure he's looking out at the plane, and everybody's like, "Oh my God, look at the hole in the plane!" So I'm like, "Yo, take a picture." Okay, so anyway, I wrote, we got lucky and other planes arriving, and, you know, we're going to see, you know, we're gonna, we thought, I thought we were going to have to sit here for the night. And then Lindsay writes, imagine being on a plane as it's struck by lightning, just as she said just now. And then I responded to you, mother bleeper, not saying bleeper, I'm not on the runway. How the hell am I going to get you pics? <laughs> and then Chris and everyone does the, you know, the they press the the uh, the message and they write ha-ha, like they just put the ha-ha button right. on. <laughs> and then Laura's like, "Holy ish! I'm glad you're. I'm glad everything's okay." And then I'm like, literally going on, and you're still like, you're still like, "What? The plane must have made it safely. If there's a hole in it, I'd like to see it. Don't yeah. you? Yeah, like I'm, I'm voyeuristic that way, you know? No, we know that. But never. Hey, I'm glad you're good, man. Well, he's clearly hey. good. He's texting us. <sighs> right, but not even the reaction to, "Wow, that's insane that a plane has a hole in it." All right. I don't know if this is commonplace because I'm not in the aeronautical industry, but I do think that planes being struck by lightning is kind of a relatively common thing that happens, I think. I mean, I don't know if it is or isn't, but definitely not one with a hole in it after the lightning strike. Do we have any pilots? Where's Michael Thompson? Isn't he a pilot somewhere? No, he's no, not. Just he wishes. I know. <laughs> I think he's a simulator pilot. Yeah, I know. It he was did a do joke. A it was a joke. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. I, I think that it happens. You know, you're you're 30 some odd thousand feet in the air. There's weather. Lightning strikes. You're a big giant giant flying piece of metal, you know, and it attracts the lightning. But for some reason, I don't know why this is, it doesn't really 
So pack the flight. I Googled once, it. Once every mm-hmm. 1,000 flight hours. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's not that many. That's that's pretty commonplace, don't you think? Uh, it's more than you'd think, but it's not commonplace, I would say. One in 1,000 flight hours. You know flight how many hours. Flight? Yeah, you know how many. each plane. Oh, oh, oh. Not all yeah. flight hours. Yes. Because that would be done in the first couple hours of the day. Correct. Oh, one in every 1,000 hours that a plane is in the air? Yes. All right. I mean, listen, it's. Look, all I'm saying is this. You painted a picture of there's a hole in the plane, which I then assumed you could see. But you're telling us here today that you just took the pilot's word for it, right? What the hell am I supposed to do? Call him a liar in front of everyone? How many times times have you seen a pilot come out to the gate to have a conversation with the passengers? Pilot's like telling his co-pilot, he's like, listen, dude, this plane is busted up. We can't fly this thing. I'm going to go out there, and here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to tell all these people that the reason we can't fly it is because there's a hole in it from the lightning strike because if I tell them, hey, you know, the air conditioning isn't going to work, everybody's going to be like, well, is the plane safe? Can we fly? i got to get home. But if I tell people there's a hole in the plane from a lightning strike, people are going to be like, I don't want to fly on that. That that a pilot literally went to the gate, which, by the way, I, I fly a lot. I've never seen. I've never seen that happen, okay? A pilot come out to the gate and talk to the the passengers. I've never, in all the years I've been flying, in all the flights that I've taken, seen that happen before. You got any pics of this? That man's a liar? I'm not saying he's a liar. I'm just asking. You got any pictures of this? Did he grab the loudspeaker? Uh, Attention, please, here in the terminal. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We have a hole in the plane from a lightning strike. So we're going to um, try and find another plane here. He, he did He did do that, not necessarily in the exact uh, verbiage that you used. But, yes, he he said, folks, I just want to let you know that we were struck by lightning. And, uh, we, you know, we've checked and we inspected the plane. The plane has a hole in it. And uh, we're not going to be able to fly it. It's not going to be able to be functional at this point. It has to be repaired. And uh, he says, well, we're going to try to find you another plane. Dude, if I were a pilot and my plane got struck by lightning... I would be like a nervous Nelly panic, you know, like, like we got to get this plane down like right away. These pilots, these captains who do what they do when you've got 200 people on an airplane, it's so amazing to me. What was that guy's name a few years ago in New York? Sully something or other, right? The guy that landed the plane in the Hudson River. You guys remember that story a few years ago? Pretty sure yeah. his name was something like Sully Sullenberger or something crazy like that. Yeah, yes. like Sully was the nickname of the last name. And the guy takes off and he's in the air for like 30 seconds. Hits a flock of birds. They all get into the engine. He's like, yo, um, I got to land this plane right now. They're like, uh, where? He's like, I'm looking down, and the only thing I can see that even makes any sense at all is in the river. So I'm going to try and put her down gently in the river. Not only did he land the plane, everybody got off the plane safely. You've probably seen the movie. Yeah. Everybody walking on the wings. Like these pilots, these captains, they don't want to fly if the plane's not safe. They're not taking a chance with their life either. Right, but you just called them a liar. The I didn't call him a liar. I just questioned yeah. what the real case was since I didn't have photographic evidence of the hole in the plane. Mm, okay. Let me ask you this question. Oh, Had you okay. seen the hole in the plane, would you not have taken a picture? Because at that point, you'd have been like, dude, I, check I, this I, out. I, I don't know, Kaplan. Maybe. Because that's something but, you don't see every day. But the point is, if I had a picture, I probably would have taken one. If there was one to take, maybe I would have taken it, and I would have had it for you. But clearly, I did not have it for you. So, like, you're asking for it is not going to make that happen. You didn't like, say anything like this? Like, check this out, George. Watch this. You go, excuse me, Captain? Captain? Over here. Uh, George Sedano, ESPN. Hey, um, yeah. where is the hole in the plane? Because I'd like yeah. to, I mean, just as a reporter, I'd like to be able to report on it. Well, uh, no. Y- you didn't ask that so, question. I did not ask that. Uh, I was dressed in, like, uh, black sweats, and mm-hmm. uh, uh, I had this, like, NBA Summer League uh, kind of like a half, a quarter zip that mm-hmm. I was wearing because, you know, it's, it gets chilly on those planes. And uh, the one guy says to me, we, I, it was a couple of guys there. We were all sitting there, and he was talking to me. And he's like, do you have to ref a game or something? And I was <laughs> like, no, I'm not, I'm not a ref. I'm, he's like, oh, you game? look – you look like an NBA ref, and I right. said, "Oh, yeah. well, thank you. Those guys yeah. are in pretty good shape for the most part." So. Yeah, dude. Maybe you should, you know, wear a referee's. I've always next time. said that I'd love to do a feature about the NBA, like like refing an NBA game, like whether it's like a G League game or like uh, you know uh, a, a preseason game. 
Um, they did like an, a refs all access thing this year on mm-hmm. NBA TV, but yeah. I, I've wanted to pitch the feature of just me being a referee, like learning how to do it through some games, um, and going like getting like the sign off from the head of the referees, Monty McCutcheon to be allowed to do it in like an exhibition game. And that'd be the feature. I thought, I think it'd be cool. Dude. I think that sounds like a lot of fun. I mean, Seriously, make it happen. You need to do and that. And then, like, talk, ESPN. talk, bleep to like, you know, LeBron during the game. You're like, LeBron, too many steps, buddy. Yeah, right. Yeah. You'd be like, George, I'm LeBron. I'm allowed to take four steps. Thank nope. you. No, nope. too many steps. And I, I see. I, if I were a referee, I, I feel like I'd have some fun doing that. Like, there's no question. I would be the guy that I say don't be the guy of like nobody's here to pay you to watch you. I would occasionally be that guy. There's no question. I have a buddy of mine who is a basketball referee, yeah. and he's working his level? way up. Say again. What level? Um, he's like high school right now, okay. varsity high school, yeah. and he's yeah. trying to work his way up. But here's the thing, George, he's a referee, but he's also a stand-up comedian. So as he's being heckled oh, by the yeah. parents yeah. at the games. He's battling back as if he's on oh, stage. Yeah, I would do that too, for sure. Dude, it is hilarious. He's like, you got to come see me. I'm like, what night? You're at the comedy store? What night? He's like, no, 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 no. I'm at the gym. You got to come see the game. Yeah. He refereed one of my daughter's JV basketball games. Kind of gives yeah. you an idea of where he is in this career. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, every time my daughter sees him, she goes, Tuh, there's your friend, the guy who cost us the game, the worst referee of all time. So, <laughs> like, you can't win as a ref. No. I don't I, like my daughter's like I don't even want you to be friends with that guy anymore. He cost us the game. Yeah, I believe it. Nobody likes a ref, yeah. but but I feel like maybe because I've seen the movie Forget Paris so many times with Billy Crystal, mm-hmm. where you know he's the referee. Remember there's that famous scene where he's uh, he's having a bad day and it's like Thanksgiving and you know it's Kareem's farewell game, last game he ever plays in Detroit, and then uh, he's throwing everyone out. He throws Kareem out, and Kareem's like, "You can't throw me out. It's my farewell game." And he says, <laughs> "Let me be the first to bid you farewell." <laughs> Uh, it's funny. That's yeah. great. Well, George, of course I've seen that movie, but I haven't seen it in a long just, time. And with you, just, you, I gotta ask. No, well, you brought it to life. Hey, I'll tell you guys this right now. I saw a movie this weekend that I never expected to see. I turned on Netflix. You ever turn on Netflix and you just can't figure out what to watch? Because it's Always. like being on a, in oh a diner. God. No, it's too many options. Right. Always. Like you, you go to a diner and you're like, look, if you just give me a pastrami sandwich, I'd be happy. But there's 5,000 things on the menu, so now I don't know what I want. Same thing with Netflix. You turn on Netflix, you're like, I want to watch a movie. I don't know what one yet. But I, and then you're like, I, I don't know where to go. Comedy, drama, documentary. Okay, so what's new? the movie cap? The movie from 2007, don't ask me why, called The Cleaner with Samuel L. Jackson. Has anybody ever seen this movie? No. It sounds familiar, but if I don't remember, it probably wasn't that good. Is mm-hmm. Eva Mendez in it? Yes. Yeah, I saw that popped up on Netflix like as a thing like to watch, but I, have, I don't think I've seen it. I don't know why I watched it, and I don't know why it popped up. And I love Samuel L. Jackson. And he's fine. He's fine in the movie. It's not like his greatest performance ever. Um, you know, it's not going to live up to Pulp Fiction. But it was okay. It was about this guy who cleans up crime scenes uh, afterwards. And he gets set up. And, you know, I know, you guys don't want me to spoil it, right? But it's from 2007. So I don't think anybody's going to see it. You feel me? Well, that was a big buildup for a movie that you said was just okay. Yeah, it wasn't that good. Okay. But I'm just, well, so were, when George says he has to check how... with me. What a great movie it was, because it's what we made it sound like. No, no, no. George just said he has to check with me to see if I've seen these movies. You know, and here I am letting you guys know that I've now seen a movie from 2007 that none of you guys have seen. Mm. It's hard for me to have a conversation about this movie since none of you guys have seen it, you know. So yesterday, Cab. And since since we're on a tangent here today, hold on a second. Now I'm coming to you, Laura. Oh, snap. Why? Now I'm coming to you. Why? Did anybody see Laura this weekend? Moving into her new apartment. I mean, Laura, I've been moving. I for saw three like weeks. A, I may have seen like one picture. But I no, mean, I Laura. I mean, I don't know if you realize, but I was stuck in Boston all day. I do. Well, you, you would have found this to be true comedy, my friend. Let me tell you something, because one thing about sending out posts on social media that you got to be careful about it. When you're drinking, Trunk. you got to be careful. <laughs> so Laura's first tweet is, "Hey y'all, um, I'm about to to clean up my new place and move in. So somebody at work told me open a bottle of wine." And just start doing things. So that's what she did. About an hour later, she's like, opening up my second bottle of wine and still moving <laughs> in. 
And then, like another hour later, she's like, I'm with my bestie in downtown L.A. And then she's at some sushi place and she's drinking sake. And then, after all that, two bottles of wine, the sake, the friend, all the tweets. You know what she does? She goes home to drink more wine. I mean, I don't see the problem with that. That was a good, it was a good night for you. <laughs> it was fun. A really good night for you. I mean, I, I moved in three weeks ago, but I'm still unpacking. I get that. Yeah. It's, it'd be like that. But yesterday, I moved in two years ago, I'm still unpacking, so it's okay. <laughs> so I, I keep hearing that that's like a norm, that people don't like finish unpacking. No, yeah. they don't. No, no, Once you happens. get comfortable. Once you get comfortable, you're like, screw it. I can live amongst the mess. <laughs> yeah, whatever. The, that could stay in a box, and I'll, right. when I move again, it'll it'll just move. Yeah. I've heard that. Yeah. But if you... I showed you guys my garage right now, you'd be like, what the hell is going on in here? Yeah. It's all boxes. Yeah, but see, what do I need this freak. stuff for? I'm a neat freak. Like, I literally yeah. went and bought, like, fridge organizers and, like, fridge liners and all that stuff. Like, I'm just, in, like, I need things to be in their place. So yeah. when I see them all over the place, it kind of gives, gives me anxiety. Mm-hmm. And, oh, and then yesterday I was watching the winning times and then it finished and I'm like, well, I have so many other things to do that I just started watching a bunch of, like, Laker documentaries and stuff. It's crazy. Oh, well, there you have it. Have you guys um, seen that one on Spectrum Sportsnet where Jeannie Buss is sitting with Linda Rambis and, um, and uh, oh, God, his name just left my head. The guy from Clutch Sports. Um, help Rich me, George. Paul. Yes, uh, Rich Paul. And so it's, it's Rich Paul, it's Jeannie Buss, and it's Linda Rambis, and they're sitting at the Staples Center outside, and they're all having lunch telling each other how great they all are. You know, I'm lo- I love you, I love you, you're the best, I love you. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, you wonder why this relationship between LeBron and the Lakers, it, it's it's rich and it's it's genie. I mean, there's the relationship. Uh, yeah, probably. I mean, that's smart agenting, I would say. Uh, coming up next, Dave McMiniman. Speaking of which, talking to the Lakers, he's going to break it down for us. We're going to ask uh, McMiniman a ton of questions. So you're going to want to stick around for that. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Is that Mandy Moore? It is. Mm-hmm. Candy. You know what I think of when I think of Mandy Moore? I know she's been in a bunch of movies and stuff or whatever. I think of her, but she had like it. one season on Entourage where oh. like she was Vinny's like kryptonite basically. And, like, it was the guys were like, oh, no, Mandy Moore, because, like, she was the one girl that, like, had rejected him before. It was actually one of the most interesting seasons they had on Entourage was uh, the Mandy Moore season. Those first four years, I reckon, uh, still some of the best television I've ever seen. Uh, Ari Gold's character, still one of the greatest, I think, in uh, in television. Do you follow my boy Doug Ellen, the guy who was the creator? Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm -hmm. You see, he's got a he's got a new deal coming out. He's got a pilot that he shot, and uh, I'm excited to see what it's all about. So it's it's kind of like a spinoff of Entourage, or at least that's what it's on HBO. Hasn't been picked up yet, so they shot the pilot, and now they're out selling it. They're trying to sell it. It's a spinoff of the show. You're saying, yeah, as I understand it, following everything on social media and just chatting with them off air. But yeah, should bring him on and ask him about it. We should. We can do that. But let's bring on Dave McMiniman first. Uh, Dave McMiniman, were you a big entourage guy back in the day? Yeah, good show. I don't think it would hold up the way you're describing no. it. I, I've no. often wondered that it, uh, the rewatch I, I've been not uh, quick to pursue because I, I can't imagine 
I, I would feel like it's it's great television. I'm really surprised, actually, Sadato, that you're talking with it in such reverent tones. Oh, like, the first first four seasons, first four seasons, fantastic. Still television, mostly because Ari Gold, um, that character played by Jeremy Piven, is just incredible because that is exactly how people in that world used to function. Fair enough. He was on fire in just about every scene he was in. And so I, I imagine there's still be some entertainment value there. Uh, what I need you guys to do is hook me up with your, your guy, Doug Elin, because right now uh, I've spent the day gathering material for my future pilot called Losing Time. Uh, yeah. about the 2021-22 uh, season. And so hopefully we can get something going because I know HBO is into that type of content right now. Yeah. And by the way, Dave, it seems like everybody's into that. You got, you got HBO who's got winning time and you're going to have your show losing time you got apple that's going to have the the magic dock and now you got fx that just picked up the whole ramona 30 for 30 about the donald sterling situation so everybody's jonesing for this kind of content right now yeah let's strike while the iron's hot guys you can make up the uh the connection i could pass around some uh producer titles let's make it happen fair enough fair enough fair enough now let me ask you this okay uh, there's all these stories about guys who can replace Frank Vogel or whatnot. And, and look, we were actually talking about Juwan Howard here the last couple of weeks because I'm like, look, he's got a relationship with LeBron, he, you know, as a player and as a coach or whatever, uh, assistant coach that is. And then he's obviously got a relationship with Palinka, and they interviewed him a couple of years ago. So it made sense, like his name. I've never understood this Doc Rivers, Quinn Snyder, now Nick Nurse. I'm like, those guys are under contract. And it's not like the Lakers have all these assets they could just give away to grab a coach. Yeah, okay, so let's go one by one. Howard, I think it makes sense on a lot of levels. You have a connection to the front office. You have a connection to the superstar. He is someone with knowledge of the game, uh, both as a coach with the coaching experience and obviously the long time with the Miami Heat organization as both a player and an assistant coach. Like, in terms of a, a strong candidate, uh, also being uh, you know, a black man when that is, uh, you know, has been a priority for the NBA over the last several years, like that is, he's checking off all sorts of boxes. I uh, move on. Quinn Snyder and Doc Rivers are both part of this conversation, looking ahead to potential playoff pitfalls for both of those teams, assuming that they would both be on the market. And that's why those names would, would be attractive. Uh, Doc Rivers, one of the few active head coaches with, championship experience and Quinn Snyder being able to build a program in a place like Utah that doesn't have the built-in advantage of being a place like Southern California where people want to come play just based on location. Uh, I think the Nick Nurse name is is the one that's kind of a left field for me. Obviously, I'm aware that he's represented by Andy Miller of Clutch Sports and Clutch Sports has a big influence on the current Lakers roster. But if you're the Toronto Raptors, why would you even pick up the phone when yeah. you see the 213 number calling from uh, Rob Flink's office? <laughs> you have no interest in that. He just delivered a championship to them a couple of years ago. They've maintained competitiveness ever since losing Kawhi Leonard, even despite having the most disruptive uh, COVID experience, I think, out of any team in the NBA. They literally had to change the city where they played their basketball, right. change the country where they played their basketball. Uh, and also, if the Lakers weren't willing to give up a draft pick to salvage this season to attach it to Russell Westbrook, why the heck are they going to give up a draft pick just to get a head coach? Right, right. Yeah, and, and by the way, Masai would probably want more than one draft pick is my guess, too. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 listen, I, I, all power to Nick Nurse in terms of now we're talking about how great of a coach he is and you know maybe the conspiracy brain that I sometimes – have when I look at the league and where these reports are coming from, this is only good for Nick Nurse to have the yeah. entire basketball world to be talking about how great of a candidate yeah. he is, yeah. especially someone who may want to renegotiate a contract moving forward. But right. I, I don't see him being the next head coach of the league. Lakers. Well, especially after he upsets Philly and when as my uh, Toronto in seven pick is already in this morning. So. Dude, if you don't get that right, you should be fired. Right. Well, Draymond says I should be fired. Did you hear that? 
No. What happened? Not, not, not me specifically, but he oh. said he, he, he on his podcast, he said that anybody who picked the Lakers to win a championship should be fired. That it's like stock uh, people that, that, that give stock tips that uh, that go awry because that's exactly the same thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Like that. <laughs> if you're somebody, in the media and you yeah. pick the Lakers to win, you're supposed to be an expert. If and they didn't they are not even one of the top 20 teams in the NBA. You have to be held accountable. You should lose your job. So, Dave, did so you pick I, the Lakers to win? <laughs> no, I, I didn't. Oh, you're safe. Uh, you're good. So I, I, I'm, I'm safe from Draymond's wrath, but uh, does he extend that accountability to his buddy LeBron James? Who That's what I said. bet on the Lakers. Uh, <laughs> right. That's exactly what I said. Together in this fashion. <laughs> right. LeBron should get fired because doing? LeBron said that the Lakers were going to win the championship, which, by the yeah. way, Dave, yeah. brings me right to where I wanted to go. In your article today, you mentioned how LeBron – has this, uh, he's a stakeholder, according to Rob Palenka, but you also say that it was LeBron and AD who led to the overhauling of the roster, which was the trade for us. I'm kind of reading from your article here. Here's my question for you. If the coach is going to change and other parts are going to change, is LeBron really going to stop playing front office executive? Because he, he, all the quotes are, the front office will take care of it. Is LeBron going to stop being actively involved? After this disaster, LeBron James is going to continue to give his input uh, when asked and called upon. And I'm sure several times uh, when he is not the one who's being asked, he will initiate that, that feedback. The point of what the Lakers have come to realize over this last season is that there has to be delineated roles. Uh, the buck has to stop with the front office. Mm-hmm. And so far, the first person to go who has to take the brunt of the disappointment this season is Frank Vogel. So that removes a layer of protection for Frank Vogel. I mean, excuse me, for Rob Polinka now moving forward. Rob Polinka now will be the next to have the fingers pointed at him if he can't lead the front office through this difficult offseason to put them back in contender status. And that is not LeBron James's role. LeBron James's role is to go out there and play basketball to the best of his ability. And the evidence he has to show for it this year is in year 19, he averaged second most points he's ever averaged, which was the second most points in the NBA this year. And so he is still doing his job. And Rob Palinka has to be able to say to LeBron, the same way he would have a problem with Frank Vogel being too passive of a coach and not being able to command the locker room to play the requisite type of basketball, Rob Plinkath do the same thing when LeBron comes in with an idea and says, you know what, I'm glad that you and Anthony talked to Russell Westbrook and brought this idea to, to me to consider, but I've been working with Sacramento Kings on Buddy Heald. We're going to have to give up half of our assets to get this guy. I think that's the route we go, and it's my decision to go that, that route. That what needs to happen moving forward. It's yep. Rob Polinka's show. Yep, 100%. And by the way, great job today. Not that we should be surprised because you always do a great job of pushing back on him a little bit today when uh, the discussion came up about where the buck stops as far as who is to blame uh, for the roster construction today. I mean, because, listen, what we are now all tasked with trying to do is sift through what happened to try to find the lessons that can be applied moving forward and figure out a way that this group, the guys under contract, the assets they have that potentially trade, uh, and the maneuvers they have through free agency and hiring a new coach can get them to a better place. But if, as we start to assess what happened this year, we are already potentially assigning blame to the wrong party in Frank Vogel, then aren't we already going into this process uh, behind the eight ball and it's already tainted and it can't really correct itself if we aren't living in reality in terms of what was the main reason why this team didn't win? Yeah. Oh, no, I'm 100% with you Um, on that. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm actually kind of contemplating what you're thinking here a little bit because what you're saying is, is that nobody thinks this disaster was Frank Vogel's fault. But on the Correct. other hand, I mean, he, he he didn't have or didn't seem to have control of the locker room, and I don't think he was ever going to be able to regain whatever he might have at one time had. Right, but but my position on that, Dave, and I'm curious to hear how you feel about this because Cap and I actually had this conversation earlier, is he had control for two years because it was a product, a byproduct of winning. And when that byproduct 
uh, which is a big part of it, <laughs> right, it was no longer there, when the, when the winning wasn't there, it that's when all this stuff happens, right? Because when you're winning, everything is good. But when you're not winning, that's when all the control gets lost and, and everyone's kind of starting to kind of go in their own directions. I, I don't Again, I don't believe that's Frank's fault because, again, he didn't construct this particular roster. Right, and then you have to also come to the realization, could anyone win with the team that no. Mike Vogel had this year? No could chance. Prime Phil Jackson, could nope. Greg Popovich in 2005, could Red Auerbach with his cigars? None of them could. So what are we talking about here? Right. And we, we come back to, okay, the reality is this team couldn't win, and as we move forward from what they have currently constructed, what did Frank Vogel do? to prove that he couldn't be the guy to win again with a team that has the capability. And listen, I I do think that several players who I don't think really had a horse in the race in terms of today, they would have any reason to be more loyal to a player or to the front office or to the coaching staff as to give their view of what really went down. And Ken Bazemore basically said that we weren't all on the same boat. Some of us were on pontoons, some of us were on speedboats, some of us were on canoes. And when it was time to get on the same boat, in Ken Bazemore's opinion, Frank Vogel's voice was hearing, falling on deaf ears. And so perhaps the collateral damage was indeed Frank Vogel and the organization made a difficult decision that they have to stand by. But at the same time, there needs to be a further accountability in my estimation that the front office now has a demerit on their record and someone like Jeannie Buss better be paying attention because that is the next step in my mind to make this franchise what they intended to be having a capable front office running things as well. That is the next step. In other words, Jeannie, because we've been talking about this to me, it starts at the top, Dave. And the, the notion of she's not a basketball person, I, I don't buy that. She's been around it her whole life. And, and I asked George this question earlier, and maybe you would have a different answer, but why is there so much loyalty in this particular instance to the general manager? I mean, wh- why not be thinking to yourself right now, unless everybody in the organization thinks we should give it a try because these guys only played together 21 games this year. Why is Palinka so safe? It's an excellent question. I would love to be able to ask Jeannie Buss that question. Uh, and we've made a request as a, a media core who covers the team regularly. Uh, we were told that uh, at, when the time is right, that request will likely be granted. But it'd be wonderful her to speak today. Her father used to speak two times a season, in training camp and then after the year was over. Well, I, I would love to know exactly why. Now, we know that Jeannie, this is a family business, and she extends – familiar roles to people who have spent a long time growing the business and certainly Rob Palinka being the best friend of Kobe Bryant. And we all know what Kobe represents for this team, that there is going to be more loyalty than just a business relationship. Absolutely. But ultimately, ultimately this organization claims that it's all about the fans and it's all about its role in the community, giving everybody civic pride because they can identify with the Lakers, which means you identify with a winner. And if Rob Palinka can't see them through this challenge of unwrapping this messed up yarn, a ball of yarn that that's been created right now, they will, they should, if their standard is winning a ball out above all else to examine his role moving forward. But I mean, you could also say at the same time, he has proven dealing with, the turmoil of Magic Johnson quitting on the organization, being able to orchestrate the Anthony Davis trade, being able to get contracts like Timofey Mozgov uh, off the books in order to put this team together that did win 18 months ago, that he should be given a second chance, and so be it. Let's see what he can do. All right, so Dave McMiniman here with us. One last question for you. There was a quote today that stuck out to me. It was from Russell Westbrook when he said, quote, I'm not sure what his issue was with me in reference to his relationship with Frank Vogel. And that stood out to me because I'm like, really? Like, we're still like, you still don't understand that the inefficiencies, the 
the turnovers, the lack of defense, that that like the the lack of being able to look in the mirror, right, and understand. Hey, and I get it, man. The aging superstar is hard to coach. Like it's the hardest thing, perhaps, in all of sports. But to to still feel that way after all of this, I found I, I don't know. I guess I found it to be somewhat surprising that we were still here uh, after all this time. What did you make of that? I mean, George, he said that Frank Vogel didn't give him a fair shot. He said that Anthony Davis and LeBron James, when they were saying, let Russ be Russ, they didn't really mean it. He said that the organization as a whole didn't appreciate what he brings to the table beyond just being a player. He also said the media wrote false stories about him. I said, Russ. Can you give me an example of one false thing was printed about you this season? He said, no, I don't want to get into it. I don't want to name the reporter. I don't want to name the report. Uh, we all know what was false. I actually don't. And so to me, <laughs> what we saw was someone who had no intention whatsoever to own up to his role in the demise of this team with so much hope going into the year. And it was further evidence why the team was making phone calls at the trade deadline, trying to unload him, and why they must unload him this offseason if they're going to have any hope of restoring some winning basketball to the franchise next season. Dave McMiniman does a phenomenal job covering your Los Angeles Lakers for us here at ESPN. Dave, always a pleasure, brother. Thanks for carving out a few minutes for us. We appreciate it as always. All right. Thanks, fellas. Way to go. We're with you, Dave. Yeah, hey, that was a strong piece of commentary there at the end, George. like that. He's right. All right, we're going to break for 60 seconds, and we can discuss uh, what Dave said there at the end in just a moment. We're back in 60 seconds. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Thank you, Christopher. All right, we have six and a half minutes to play Big Deal or No Deal here at the end of the show. Linz, what do you got? All right, I'm going to start off with Dave McMenamin's interview there. And for anyone who didn't hear the last thing that he said, it was that for the Lakers to have any hope of getting back to, what was it, relevancy or competing, they must get rid of Russ Westbrook. Is that a big deal or no deal? Uh, I think it's a big deal. I also agree with him. Um, You know, again, eight games into this season, I said I made a huge mistake. So, Draymond, don't fire me. Um, and, and it was that, like, I'm like, this isn't going to work. And more and more, we saw that him and LeBron particularly doesn't work. And I never thought I'd see the day where a player couldn't figure it out or LeBron couldn't figure it out with a player. And here we are. And you can sit here and say, Oh, you're just blaming Russ. You're not blaming LeBron. No, LeBron has something to do with too. But I feel like LeBron tried a lot of different things this season. He played at center with Russ. He, you know, he played, he let Russ have the ball, uh, at times, which was, you know, not customary, uh, with LeBron. He did a lot of different things, and Russ is out there blaming LeBron and AD, and he's out there blaming the organization, he's blaming the media, he's blaming the coach, and not taking any accountability. And it's like, bro, like, you got to look in the mirror a little bit, man. Like, I, I don't get that. So I do think it's a big deal, and I also agree with him. I want to know what else Russ brings to the table. Like, that was one of the things that Dave said at the end. He's like, yeah, you know, they, the Lakers, they, they don't want to know about the other stuff that I bring to the table. Like, what? What, what, banking commercials? What, you're from L.A.? You, you went to UCLA? You're a hometown guy? You notice that everybody called him Brody when he was first picked up by the Lakers and nobody calls him Brody anymore? Because you call nobody. a guy by his nickname when you like him. Yeah. You don't use his nickname when he becomes unlikable. He became yeah. unlikable. Yeah. Well, he's just not the player he used to be either. There's that part of the equation too. So I mean, listen, I'll give him credit, though, George, for one thing. LeBron's out. AD's out. He came every night and he played. Sure. Oh, no, but he's always done that. Right. No doubt. I, you got to give him credit. The guy's able to stay healthy. Yeah, for sure. All right, Linz, what's next? All right, so sticking in the NBA, when Kyrie Irving rolled his ankle last year in the Eastern Conference semifinals against the Bucks, it seemed like a pretty common unintentional injury that we often see. But during a recent interview, 
When Kyrie was discussing the injury, he used sarcastic air quotes when saying Giannis's foot just, quote, happened to be there. Mm-hmm. Did this in a very uh, ridiculous way, I guess you could call it. Giannis has has a reputation for being a great defensive player, and I don't ever recall hearing anything about him being a dirty player. So are Kyrie's comments about Giannis a big deal or no deal, Sedano? Um, a big deal because they're probably going to end up facing each other at some point in the postseason. My guess is Brooklyn is going to beat your Cavs, Linz. Sorry. And uh, they're going to take on Boston without Robert Williams. Did Chewy get mad when I said that? I heard him howling there, I think. Uh, I think he's mad about your your Cavs comment. I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah. And then I think they're going to beat Boston because they don't have Robert Williams, who's a big part of what they do defensively. Uh, And then they'll face Milwaukee, who was ducking them, uh, clearly, (laughs) at the end of the season. I think it's fairly obvious that Milwaukee didn't want to be the two seed to face Brooklyn in the first round, which, by the way, I think is a huge mistake. Because if you want to face Brooklyn, you're going to want to face them in the first round when they're going to try to put Ben Simmons in there who hasn't played with them or any of that stuff. Uh, I think that that was the time to get them, which I think will give Boston more of a fighting chance. But, yeah, I, I, I think that. Kyrie has said that before. It's not the first time I heard him say that about Giannis in that particular play. So it, uh, it's, it is a big deal, and I think it's something to watch for as they potentially meet down the road. I'll make this quick. I think it's no deal at all. I mean, the, the notion of accusing somebody in air quotes that they're doing something dirty, if you, say, if you think they're doing something dirty, call them out. I mean, that's kind of the beauty of the NBA is all the off-the-floor drama amongst the players. So don't insinuate it with air quotes. Freaking say it, dude. Well, I just want to say that uh, Dave McMenamin, he said that the Cavs, he thinks he could beat the Nets. Just saying. He could. Not Did you talk to will. him off air? Were you like trying I to get him to pump him you up? And I said, so the real question is, is there any chance the Cavs get out of the plan? Because, you know, like half the team's hurt right now. And he said, well, they could possibly beat the Nets. No way. Just saying. No way. You're just saying. I mean, listen, the Cavs Cavs should be lucky at this point the way that they're playing and their injury situation. They should be lucky to just survive getting in the play, getting out of the play and being the eighth seed. That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't I I think without Jared Allen, which they ruled him out today, I I don't think that they're getting out of the play. Yeah, if if they lose to the Nets and Atlanta beats Charlotte, Atlanta's going to beat the Nets in a one game situation. I think I would take Trey Young all day. I situation. think that the, the Cavs have a better chance against the Nets than they do against Atlanta, though. Atlanta has their number. Huh. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if I believe that, but okay. But I mean, that's fair. It's, I mean, you watch them more than I do, but I don't, I don't know if I buy it. Um, I mean, you watch them more than I do. I thought Jared Allen was a defensive end. Yeah, wrong, Jared Allen. That's uh, Jared with a D at the end. Um, this is J A R E T T. Yes, got it. Oh. All star Jared Allen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, great kid, too, by the way, Jared Allen. Unbelievable. Yeah. All right, one more, Linz. We got only a minute, so we'll make this quick. Okay, so Chris Rock is willing to give his thoughts on Will Smith's Oscar slap, but only if he makes some money off of it. He said in a show at Fantasy Springs on Friday, I'm okay, I have a whole show, and I'm not talking about that until I get paid. Life is good, I got my hearing back. So is Chris Holt Rock <laughs> holding out for a payday to talk about the slap, a big deal or no deal? Um, I think it's... No deal, but I think it's smart by him to do that. Cap, you have 20 seconds. I say big deal because I would pay to hear him talk about it. Would you, though, really? Yeah, like on pay-per-view. Like how much? Um, couple bucks. Give What's a, a couple bucks? $25. I don't know if you're getting $25 to do that. All right, we're done here. Excellent work, Kaplan, despite yeah. your uh, nonsense, as always, but we love you for it. Great day today, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow. We'll all be in studio with Key. Yep, Key will be in the house with us. Lindsay and Laura, great job as well. Key will be in the house tomorrow. We'll talk to you mañana. See ya.